0: Hey, this is Sarah Beth from Sarah Beth Yoga and you're listening to Stories That Sell with my friend, Scott Ramage. You have the knowledge experience and the talent needed to succeed but in the day and age we live in skill is not enough your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal this show will help you tap into that resource and learn
1: how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy tune in each week as thought leaders entrepreneurs and authors share how they built empires
0: on the backs of their story you're listening to stories that sell with your host
2: scott ramage Hey everybody! Welcome to this episode of Stories Itself. Of course, I am your host Scott Ramage, and I am um, overly excited to have two really great individuals with me today, Leland and Sarah Bath. Uh, welcome to the show, you guys! Hi, right, thanks for having us. Yeah, I, yeah, thank you. Just getting to know you, Sarah Bath. I've been working. I'll, I'll tell you right up front. I've been working with uh, Leland. It's been awesome. It's been a fun experience. Um, but uh, on this episode, or on this podcast, we really just want to get down to the story and i know a little bit of your guys's stories just for the listeners just to kind of um, give you a little bit of an idea sarah beth has a youtube channel and a uh, yoga let's see membership for people and um, what caught my eye immediately with sarah beth was 1.4 million subscribers on her youtube channel and that is not something that happens overnight and so this is going to be a really um, interesting and fun discussion about really how that came to be and what that means for this dynamic duo, as well as um, you know, where they're going, how they've gotten there and where they're going from here. So this is going to be a fun conversation. So I just want to open it up to you guys. Uh, First of all, thank you for being here. And um, second of all, let's hear your story. You should start, Sarah.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, thank you for having us. And so I think it's important to mention that We're married. I was, well, yes, we're married. That's my (laughs) husband. And prior to meeting my husband, we met back when I was 18. And prior to meeting him, I thought that uh, I I would never had an entrepreneur spirit, except for being a Girl Scout and selling Girl Scout cookies. Outside of selling Girl Scout cookies, I thought that my future looked like it was behind a cubicle. or. or like in an office building with the windows very far away from me, or that I would be uh, staying at home with my kids while my husband was working. Um, And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Whenever someone asked me that question, I just didn't know. I couldn't see it. I really couldn't. And my husband, when I met him, that was the first time that I I met somebody that had so many grand ideas and such a great vision. Um, This kind of Opportunity-driven, optimistic—I mean, it was—it's inspiring to be around. And he sees the best in you, and so he saw the best in me when I couldn't see it. And so it really kind of got my my wheels going. Of you know, what can I do? What can I do? Um, he was in college, and I was uh, transitioning out of a career of modeling at the time. Um, I was pulling my hair out because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I was having so much anxiety, just living off of my savings. And, and I came up to him one day and I said, okay, I got it. I got it. You no, know I'm going to do because, because you have a future laid out for you, but I don't right now. And I said, I'm going to be a barista. I, I love to help people. And, you know, I like coffee. I could learn how to make coffee. I could do that. And he goes, Sarah, I think, I think you could dream a little bit bigger. If, if money were no object and if you could do just anything in the world, what would you want to do? And we, we were walking and I'm thinking, and, and I, a vision came to me of when I was at a yoga studio and there was a poster on the wall that I should join at this yoga teacher training, but I immediately shot it down because I'm not meditating in caves or doing headstands like who am I to teach yoga I know that yoga has been really helpful for me up until that moment um transformative even but I really I doubted myself immediately but because he said that I thought I want to teach yoga and then I continued to doubt myself out loud in front of him and he said Sarah stop stop you won't know until you try and so I tried and I signed up for my first yoga teacher training. And I felt like a complete noob. I was so young. And this was, I mean, I was what eight, 18, 19 years old around this time. And um as I was in that yoga teacher training, I was also reading these books that that Leland was reading at the same time, The Four a Work Week, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and um you know, again, wheels were turning and we were like, what are we going to do with all this information? Let's make a YouTube channel. Let's, let's make content and let's make it based off of what we're doing in our lives right now. And so I did start a YouTube channel and this is around the same time that I started that yoga teacher training, but I didn't know what to do with the YouTube channel. So I called it the Sarah Beth show because at the time I liked watching the Philip DeFranco show. Mm -hmm. And I said in my intro video, which was 36 seconds long, that this channel is going to be about my life and my diet and stuff (laughs) that was as descriptive as I could get and it was it was the worst quality (laughs) of footage and audio and but and I had a a voice that wasn't my own because usually when you start it's just awful everything is cringe but I started and I continued to make videos about stuff Uh, And then it started to take off into videos about my diet, because at the time we were exploring different um, diets, including uh, alkaline diets and the raw food diet. And so I noticed how if I was making content about this one thing that an audience would come and I could make more videos about that one thing. But eventually I decided that I didn't want to make content about my diet because I just I didn't want to be at a Red Robin one day caught eating a burger Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you're not representing the brand. And it's you know. I was like, I want it to be about something else that I can grow with in my life. And then I looked at what I was doing, it was yoga. And I also looked at the opportunity that there was, which was yoga videos. And there were so few online at that time. And I was learning so much and all of it looked like really good content to me. And I was teaching after yoga teacher training, I went to go teach in studio, but I thought every time I teach a class, it's gone. It's been enjoyed by the people in that room, but then it's just gone. And so I started making videos for YouTube. And so then every time I was teaching a class, it was saved and it became evergreen as in people could watch it forever at any point. Um, it felt like a really good use of my efforts. And so that was a, an experience of, of shifting over to yoga and I never really committed for the first five or six years. Just trying to be a, yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of was a hobbyist about it. Um, a fear of failure, maybe a fear of success, maybe a fear of something. Um, during those five or six years, I worked as a chiropractic assistant. Uh, my husband bought a bar and, um, we went through these kinds of trials and tribulations of life and, and owning a bar and running this bar restaurant business. Um, I got pregnant, I had my first son, and it was right around that time when my husband had the bar and I was pregnant that I really wanted to put more into it. I think it was prenatal yoga mm-hmm. and and starting to connect with my audience um, and creating content that not only they want, but they need and that can actually um, support women and empower women. Uh, because because prior to that, prior to the prenatal content, the stuff that was really taking off was like yoga for a beach bod and yoga for weight loss. And even though I don't see anything wrong with, with using yoga as a kind of like two for oneer mindfulness and fitness, um, it was also attracting a very large audience that was asking for yoga for thigh gap, yoga for, a bigger chest, yoga for a smaller waist. And I was like, wait, 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 we're going in the wrong direction people. Um, so it was, it was nice to pivot it and to start to think about how this can more accurately represent what I'm going through in my life. And as I was doing that, I was finding more women who were going through the same things and felt the same way. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but I was actually, uh, narrowing my brand to be more authentic with who I truly am.
2: Yeah. I really you know, like that part of your story. I mean, cause you saw the, the trend going towards the thigh gap and the, you know, bigger busted and bigger butt and all those things, which is, you know, I, I imagine it was, could have been really easy just to slide into that. Cause that's where you saw views going, but I really love that you stayed true to really what your passion was. So how did that affect the growth of the, of the, of the, um, channel?
0: Um, I think it was, there's two ways I can answer that. One, it it probably didn't grow as much as it could have. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple other moments since then where um, we've had similar moments. Like I, in the last year, uh, in 2020, I cut my YouTube uploads down from once a week to once a month. And, and I'm trading basically those additional views for my sanity and my authenticity. Um, And so it didn't grow as much as it could have, it still grew and the audience that I did get though, was was more in line with with who I am and wanted to um, continue to grow and and practice and evolve and transform. And um, I felt like I was getting more deeply connected, with each person that was practicing with me, which gave me a deeper sense of purpose. And for me at this point, that's what I strive for is that sense of purpose in my content.
2: So you, th- that's incredible. And I think that's a really strong statement, important statement for people to understand. And, and even when you have an audience that large, the, the fact that you might lose some, it really doesn't matter because what you're trying to do is just have the people who really matter, right? Like the people who are really in line with your, your vision and your mission and what you're really trying to do and reach. So I think that's a really cool message. Um, So where does Leland come into this story? I mean, he's obviously, uh, another thing that I like is, you know, so often uh, couples, I think this is a really good message for couples. My wife and I came together and my entrepreneurial spirit drove her crazy and made her, it scared her. I mean, it was, you know, because she came from that in the box, uh, you do X career and then you go this... So was there a point where there was, where there was a like a learning curve for you or a really discomfort when you and Leland started, to, when you guys, you know, started dating and got married and, and, uh, I mean, cause you talked about some trials and quite frankly, early on that caused some trials for my wife and I, like I, I was driven to build business and she was comfort and, and for her was doing checking the boxes and sitting inside of a you know the the regular this is what you're supposed to do with your career um and now it turns out that she's pursuing her own thing and totally on this path so i'm curious how that has been for you too
1: yeah let me uh, let me jump in here and just fill in some funny color for some of the <laughs> stories that sarah told so um, so I worked with Intellivideo, and I worked with UScreen, some membership softwares. And so when Sarah launched her membership, we launched it on the software, the platform, the company that I was working with. Um, and so that company sent us to a, a video conference called Vid Summit. And what's funny, Sarah mentioned that, and that was a great, great experience for us. We went three years in a row. Sarah spoke. You get to learn from all the experts. You learn everything you need to know about YouTube. And then, like Scott said before, we hopped on live here. Uh, then it's execution, right? Which is what Sarah d- does really well is execute. Um, but at that first Vid Summit, Gary V was there. So it was his ad that actually got us there. Our company, Intellivideo, paid for Sarah and I to go. And uh, and Gary V was the person who outed Sarah's pregnancy. Oh, because, wow. yeah, and, and nobody really knows about this because Sarah went and asked him a question at Vid Summit, and he released the podcast before anybody else knew. And he's like, she's like, I'm Sarah from Sarah Beth Yoga. And Sarah Beth Yoga at the time had all these followers that were crossover. Some of them were Gary V fans, and so we didn't know what had happened. It was you're pregnant. Like, hey, how is everybody finding out that you're pregnant? And it had turned out that <laughs> Gary had released that that Q and A from Vid Summit as a podcast, wow. and um, and it, just one of those like weird uh, internet coincidence things that that is funny uh, today. So, but yeah, so I went to. Um, my backgrounds and memberships and strategy. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't build a personal brand or I don't do YouTube, um, you know, as much as Sarah, I'm kind of more shy, but behind the scenes, kind of, you know, what's the next step? Uh, how can we do it? And then kind of how can we uh, have Sarah do less or, you know, be more efficient, more use more leverage um, because it's easy as the husband or the strategist to say, hey, just go work harder to the artist or to the person who's creating because if Sarah was to create or upload a video a day, it would be really good for her business. But I wouldn't have a wife. Our kids wouldn't have a mother. Sarah would, you know, would be stressed out. And so, um, you know, using the business to shape our lives or, um, you know, is something that that we've come a long way with as, as we, you know, from the beginning of YouTube to where we are now, um, it's constantly evolved to, to sort of be, a better thing for the family versus something that entraps you.
0: And I would say that, um, we work really well together right now. And, and we have for the last, uh, year and a half, it took us some learning to get there. And I think with every couple that's in the situation, there's, there's your own unique learning path to get there in the very beginning, um, we fueled each other. I fueled his passions and he fueled my, um, like my pursuit, uh, for this kind of a lifestyle. And it was really good because we had very little responsibility when we were that young and we could live off of nothing. And and we could essentially hustle the way that Gary V used to promote hustling.
1: Um, well, just one thing to interrupt Sarah was that we were always building the four hour work week. Like it was always a muse. And so I wrote down like Cree Alkaline and slot. There's a couple other projects that we did as well, but just from, uh, from the first time that we started YouTube or it was always building that type of a mechanism, uh, something that can generate passive income and, and free you up to do what you really love. Hopefully.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He mentioned Cree Alkaline as a website we started, uh, or we we were attempting to start at the very, very beginning of all of this. We were going to sell a creatine product. Mm. Uh, Sloth was the secret logic of food, which was something that Leland was working on. Um, it was a like 150-page ebook. Uh, there's also like doyogaforyou.com. Like we had several, several different business um, ideas under our belts that we were working on all at the same time, just trying to see what was going to work. We never knew Sarah Beth Yoga was going to work. Um, and I think, I think uh, all was well because we all, we had very similar intentions, but then when we started working on Beth yoga together and we narrowed our focus was when we started to try to, you know, find the groove of working together. And also both of us working from home because I'd been working from home so long, I was used to it. And I, I understood there's, there's certain, I mean, we all know now it's 2021. you know what working from home feels like and and learning how to get up and actually get dressed even though you don't need to type of thing um but it it was in that process of us learning to work together that we learned about the the triad and in a business you have your manager your artist and your entrepreneur and it was so clear that Leland was the entrepreneur and I was the artist. And together we were trying to make a manager. And that's where we were struggling. That's where we were having issues with, with this business and with stress levels. And, um, and it was real, a really good insight. We picked that up from uh, Tony Robbins, um Business Mastery. Soon after that, we realized we need to hire ourselves a manager. And that, when we did that, um, it took a lot of stress off of both of us. But it also showed us that um, we work very, very differently and we need to communicate very clearly to each other about where the boundaries are. Like for me, if I didn't, uh, sometimes I relate it. Like I, I if I'm just digging a hole, I think I'm being productive. I'm just, I'm digging, right. I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm being productive. And Leland's the one that walks over and goes, what are you digging for, <laughs> you know? And, and so, it, He helps me not overwork myself, but at the same time, when he comes up with ideas and he wants to process them out loud, I take them on as like, oh, we're going to do that and that and this and that. And then I start to freak out. And so we've we've both learned how to work with each other and when we should and shouldn't communicate certain things to each other because of how we just process and work differently.
1: Yeah. Just, our, our our poor manager just gets the, you know, gets it from both ends, but she's, uh, she's awesome. And, um, was one of the best hires that Sarah's had, but yeah, she, she hears from Sarah and then she hears from me and then she makes sure all the dots get connected.
2: I, I swear you guys just recapped about two hours ago, a discussion my wife and I were having in the office around her, uh, thing that she's doing now. Like literally I'm like, oh, I just learned a, a golden nugget here <laughs> that we have to implement because when you work together as as a husband and wife, there's a whole different dynamic. You're bringing you have you, you have your life, your love life, your your uh, emotional intimacy, all those things, and then you're bringing it into a business uh, a business environment, and that can be really an interesting thing. But I love that triad where where you have an you, you have this other leg of this chair that doesn't stand on its own without that third leg, and I think that's a, a really really awesome takeaway.
1: Well, just another thing is that, you know, Tony says, you need to know who you are and who you need. Sarah knows that if I'm doing manager jobs, I'm miserable. Like if it's me making sure to do it, yep, doing cut, yep. You and I are both the entrepreneur mindset, right? So if there's customer service emails that need to be responded to, I'm not the guy to do that, right? And that was one of the things where we would take on something for Sarah with yoga, we would grow, but then I would put that responsibility on me and then i wouldn't do it and then sarah would be pissed that i wasn't doing my job rightfully so and so making sure that you're in the right right role will lead to you being happier mm-hmm. like you know way happier
2: yeah that's it's so good and i love that you guys have this story of kind of working through that one thing that i i, I really admire about you and we will get to a little deeper into this is when i very first met you we were we were uh, Leland, we were introduced by a mutual friend who's been a guest on this podcast, and um, and when you and I first talked, it it was um, I was immediately sold because you had a, a an ideal like life design already placed, and you talked about that early, and and I love that about the, your family. Uh, you 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 talked from the very beginning about this as this is our family. This is we are we are doing this and we are doing it by design so that we aren't working 50 plus hours a week. And I, I sold, you know, it's kind of like the the Jerry Maguire <laughs> line. You had me at hello. Um, but so at what point was it that intention on Sarah Beth yoga turned into, wow, this is big. This is, this is, this is the thing you guys mentioned. Sarah, you were just kind of going into the other things that you were doing. And I think that's also important to identify is uh, entrepreneurs and business builders will do a lot of things. And sometimes a lot of them are amiss or they're not worth the effort because something else arises from you, you don't know which one is going to rise to the top. So now we're at this point where you're being intentional with it. And uh, let's, let's talk about that that journey from... Like, this is, okay, this is something I want to do to, holy cow, this is big.
1: Well, I'm hoping that this will be small compared to the stuff that we do in the future, yeah, but.
2: That's, that's coming up in this conversation, because I think that's really important to talk to, uh, to entrepreneurs, business owners, anybody who has, uh, is thinking about their future. <laughs> we need to have that conversation. Hey, before we get started. Imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more.
0: So I think that for me, there was, um, a couple of moments when that happened. Uh, I feel like there were like these milestones that I was hitting that were kind of reassuring. Um, And one of them was when I sold my first product. So everything was free on YouTube for the first five or six years. Uh, And then I made a a 60 minute yoga video and I sold it using a different platform called Vimeo. And I saw um, that some of the audience wanted to buy that product. And that to me was like, okay, we've got something here. This is very interesting. How do I keep doing that? And um, I, I tried to make more of those types of videos, more 60 minute, 45 minute length yoga classes, because everything on YouTube is up to 30 minutes. Um, but then I, I saw that what I was really creating was this really big library of, that people could just pick and choose and, and we weren't you know, capturing the audience. And um, so then it was like, okay, what if I did a yoga challenge? And we did a yoga challenge on YouTube, the seven day yoga challenge back in 2015. And that was, I think the first time that we captured an audience. And by that, I mean that we use MailChimp um, email lead generation to, to get people to sign up for the 70 yoga challenge and exchange for them signing up. I would send them the video every day that it was released and then I could keep up with them afterwards. And at that point, I mean, there was, there was nothing to sell. It was just getting them on a newsletter and then for me to learn how to utilize and write a newsletter. Uh, so those are my first milestones that the prenatal yoga program was the next milestone. That was me kind of seeing that want if I can make something that really feels purpose-driven, like if you build it, they will come kind of feeling. And, and that, that happened to me. But one of the biggest milestones for me was when we launched the Sarah Beth yoga app and that was using the technology that Leland was working for back in 2017. So September of 2017, Um, I, I essentially literally 10 X to business in one month, um, for in monthly recurring revenue. And it was, it was like, it was mind blowing. Um, and we looked at that and we thought, wow, like, this is amazing. What we just not even stumbled onto. I mean, this, it was all coming together. Um, but it gave us a lot of opportunities, um, to, to seek, more education, like going to Vid Summit or going to Business Mastery. Um, and it was a really incredible moment for us because a couple of months after seeing that that monthly recurring revenue was actually monthly recurring revenue. It, it was coming back every month. And if I continued to work on it and build it, it was just adding to the snowball effect. Um, that was when Leland uh, ended up coming home and started working for Sarabath Yoga. And then we both were like, let's, let's do this. Like we've been, this has been kind of on the back burner for the last seven years, but it looks like it's actually something we want to pursue. And it's something that, that people want and it feels good. Um, With that, there was no manual. And uh, I was going through postpartum anxiety and, and guilt as a mom of not, being the childcare for my children and all of these expectations that I had on myself. And I never expected that I would be running a business too. Um, And so I I went and I saw a therapist uh, during the postpartum anxiety part of, after having my my son. And so that therapist essentially ended up being like a mental coach, a mindfulness coach, um, a therapist and a business coach. Uh, Because at the time it was like, I just, you know, struggling with like, how do we do this and, and have a family and feel fulfilled in every area of our lives without everything just like spilling over into everything else. Um, But I learned over those years, how to practice containment, um, that childcare, and having the kids go to right now they're at Montessori, they're thriving, and it's also allowing my kids to spend time with other people and other authority figures and learn how to communicate and socialize and, and learn from people who are more qualified to teach them how to read or write their letters using penmanship. And, and it, it released all these expectations off of me where I could really focus on my highest values. And that I'm going to let Leland um, jump in on highest values, because that was actually one of the big pivot points for us in fulfillment in our lives.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, well, so, so I was gonna, let, let, so, <laughs> so when I started taking, I'll say this real quick. Um, the business seriously was when we, when I saw Intellivideos platform, cause I was trying to build the website, build a membership, build a paywall, and that's all management skills. And in hindsight, I never would have maintained it. Not my, and uh, I don't know how long Sarah's membership's been around, but it was a lot more challenging back then. Um, now Kajabi, U screen and Televideo, all those things have come a long way. So to start a membership, payment processing, protect your content is just quick and easy. Um, but when I saw Televideo, I was just I was like, we got to get on your pl- on this platform platform. Um, so for, for values, the three people that have had the biggest impact on us are or on me, I should say are uh, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, and John D. Martini. And John D. Martini talks about your hierarchy of values, and so that's what Sarah's talking about. Is everybody has their own hierarchy of values, from the things that they value the most to the things that they value the least, and that's actually how you filter your entire world. Absolutely. Um, And so, understanding what your one or two values are, and then outsourcing ruthlessly outsourcing everything that's not in your top two or three, um, has been a huge impact for us. We saw John D. Martini live. And that was the advice that he gave us. So, you know, you can't do it all eventually, but, you know, if you can, if you can just focus on, so for me, I like learning, I'm obsessed with learning. So if I don't, if I'm not reading a book or if I'm not doing something like I will, I will go insane. Right. Um, Some people are like that creatively, Sarah, if she doesn't right now, she's working on a, on a grief calendar for her, her next project. Right. Right. If we don't get that, if we don't scratch that itch, we go crazy. And so learning to live for your hierarchy of values, what are they? One, two, three. Um, How can you live them more purely? And then how can you get rid of the ones that are not uh, in the highest value? And then the big thing that most people have issue with is that they call them injected values. So I think that I should value basketball because my dad values basketball. So, you know, if I, I need to go pretend like I like basketball, or one of the quotes I have in my list of quotes is from my wife that says something along the lines of, um, the day I realized that I don't need to like baseball because everybody else likes baseball was like a great day, some version of, but it's all injected values, right? And so part of it is being able to kind of be independent enough to say, no, I like this, I don't like that, I don't care that you think I should like that, or I don't care that you that you value this, like, it's just not in line with my highest values. And so, um, and, and that cons that concept's actually, it gets more complicated as life gets more complicated because Sarah and I we're, were dating, we get married, we're number one or two on each other's hi- hierarchy of values list, right? Sarah has a kid, we have a kid together. Roman, our first goes to number one, Sarah's sleep, Sarah's food, Sarah's health sarah's fitness and then dad comes down to number 10 right but understanding that those laws are like it's a law of like gravity right i might want to be number one but i'm not going to be number one when she's postpartum right so understanding that that it's it's a constantly it's constantly going to change but not expecting sarah to hold me as a number one value or not expecting somebody to value the same things that you value um, will eliminate tons of conflict in your life. Um, if you just understand that everyone's going to have their own values and love them for their values, do not try to change them, uh, will, has eliminated a lot of headaches in our relationship, I should say. Um, and it relates to business, too, because it's the same principles as managers, entrepreneurs, and artists.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've I've always called it my value ladder, where I have it's an absolute order, and and I function everything, every decision is filtered through that order. There's you know, does it meet X, Y, Z, and and if it's too low, it's out. Like even if it's you know, or there's no room for it. So I love that, and I love that that's um, kind of a part of how you guys operate. Another thing that I have noticed, and that I think is really authentic, and probably is has done a lot for you is the fact that Sarah Beth, you, you use what's going on in your life as uh, uh, you probably, cause it has a lot to do with your, your values at that time. And you use that. And that's what you push your energy into, into your audience. Um, and I know you've had a, a, a recent thing that you wrote about. I don't know if you're at a place where you could talk about it, but you're using an, an experience you've gone through um, to really fuel feed and give people who are going through that and may not have the, the support and um processing skills and and knowledge to walk through those things alone so i really i really uh, respect that and i have seen that in the short time that i've you know known you known leland and followed you and it's been very clear in that authentic authenticity is uh bleeds out it's it's very evident
0: Thank you. Yeah. Um, I felt like th- the greatest value I can give is one that's based from my own experience. I'm not going to be the top expert in yoga. I'm not trying to be the number one, this or that, but I want to speak to people in a, from a place of, I know I've been there or I understand. Um, and so I found that Creating content is so much easier when I can do it based off of what I'm passionate about or what I'm experiencing in the moment. Um, recently, uh, in October, I, I became pregnant, surprisingly. Um, I have a birth control device called an IUD, and we weren't expecting this. And uh, my husband and I, and the boys, uh, kind of went through a roller coaster of emotions for a couple of weeks as it was, you know, oh, I'm pregnant wait, I'm not supposed to be pregnant. Wait, why is this high risk? I need to go in right away. And I've had about 24 blood draws and 12 ultrasounds and went to the ER a couple of times. And in the end, we found out that it was an ectopic pregnancy of unknown location, which means they couldn't even find it, (laughs) but I'm pregnant. And they said, because it's not in your uterus, it is not viable and it's also a threat to your life. And they sent us home and they said, um, we're gonna continue to monitor this, but we we recommend that you either do surgery or that you take this, um, it's called a methotrexate shot. It's a mild chemotherapy. Um and, and I was like, uh, let me think about this. This is a lot to A or B. Are those the only options? Um, it was through YouTube actually, and trying to find anyone else that had, that was going through this, that I found a woman who went through this and said that she actually went for plan C, which was a expectant management, basically um, a wait and see approach to see, will my body process this naturally? And so I asked if we could do that. They said, yes. And they said, but if at any point you experience extreme pain, that means that you're internally bleeding and you could die, and you need to go to the hospital immediately. Like, throw the kids in the car, don't even buckle them up, go. Um, and so the next couple of weeks, I felt uh, this um, incredible amount of anxiety. I'm I've already had anxiety in the past, but this was, you know, a health anxiety that every night would spike if I had any amount of cramping or any pain. Even like, oh, well, my digestion's a little off, or am I dying? every night um there was a point where I was writing letters to my family writing letters to my community thinking about my mortality and what if I don't wake up tomorrow um and it was all it was just so much to process and within all of it I felt a much deeper connection to this club that no one wants to be a part of but I was now a part of of women who go through this um, kind of experience, and I also watched my husband go through it. It wasn't just me doing it, but you know, partners experience this as well, and the um, the stress and the pain and the emotional strain. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, I've I've been serving out this prenatal yoga, postnatal yoga, and all of this uplifting, empowering yoga, but I have nothing to support the people in my group that are grieving right now or the people who were doing the prenatal yoga and then experienced a loss because the postnatal yoga uses affirmations like mama and baby and and that's really triggering for a woman but but she also can't do the normal stuff because her body went through a pregnancy so i saw this huge gap and i felt i felt a need to fill it and at that same time i knew this isn't the beach bod stuff. This isn't the morning yoga. This isn't the yoga for weight loss. I'm gonna make this and it's not gonna be like, hooray. It's not gonna be cheered. It's not gonna be, you know, the best, my PR video. It's, I'm gonna have to look at it differently on how it's received because the people who are receiving it, they might just be celebrating on the inside of like, oh, thank you. And and as long as it can help one person, it's a win. And I know it will, because I feel it. Um, and that's why I, I spent the last two days deep diving into grief and, and this grief book that I just read all the way front to back and started creating this entire grief series and grief meditations. And um, it's been an interesting pivot in that way of, of taking something that happened to me and I'm almost processing it. And in a, in a way like alchemy, turning it into something good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, my wife and I experienced this early on in our marriage. Um, I think it's really common. People just don't talk about it. And then I like that you brought to light that the woman is going through all sorts of things. I mean, it's, 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 it's really a mess. You got hormones, things happening, depending on how far along you've got, you know, loss, um, and then the husband is here trying to hold. Typically, we'll try and hold things together, and and, the, and and quite frankly, a lot of times they're breaking down on the inside because it's a loss for them too. And I love that you are uh, using this as an opportunity to uh, feed into other people's lives. So you may say, "Hey, if it changes one person, then then you've you, you've kind of met your goal." But it's there's no doubt in my mind it's going to be amazingly received because I think even people that have gone through this years ago. Still need to go through that process. I just haven't stepped into it yet. A lot of people haven't stepped into it yet, so that's really cool. Um, thank you for sharing. Brave. Yeah.
0: <laughs> thank you. It's very fresh.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay. This is a this is the opportunity for us to um, kind of dive into kind of. You guys have talked a lot about books and people, and these are the things I absolutely love. I know talking to Leland, even before this, you know, Tony Robbins has been a big, has been a big influence and you guys going to, uh, one of the conferences and, and plugging into that community and that knowledge base. Um, just a, a real direct question to each of you. What is one practice that you do absolutely daily that you think everybody should do for better mind? Uh, maybe it's business thing. I, I don't care. Just what's one thing each of you do that you just knew that if everybody did, there would be, it it would be successful or help them move towards success. You go first.
0: Okay. But be open-minded. You've heard this before. I really truly believe that meditation can drastically change somebody's life. Um, and I used to think that it had to be more than what it was. I used to think that meditation had to be something like enormous. So you have to sit for 20 minutes silent every day and not have a single thought in your brain. Um, and I've tried many different meditation practices, but I settled onto, um, this kind of bare ass minimum approach a bam meditation where in the morning I will sit down for five minutes, only five minutes. I set a a timer on my watch sit down in the same spot after I do my entire morning routine. And it's like, I washed my face that morning. I brushed my teeth that morning, and now I'm going to sit down and have my mental hygiene. And so I don't sit down for five minutes and beat myself up for thinking. I just sit down and I watch my breath. Sometimes I use a mantra and whenever a thought comes in, I observe it. I go back to my breath and mantra. And those, the first several times you do that, it can be so frustrating because it feels like you're not doing anything. You're not accomplishing anything, but increments add up. Those five minutes do matter. And even if it was you, you sat down for two minutes and did it every day, the, just the fact that you're making it a habit and you' those two minutes at the end of a week, that's 14 minutes, you know it, it, it all adds up, and I really do believe that it can instill a sense of calm and grounding. but it actually can provide a, a gap between stimulus and response because you're, for the first time in your day, sitting down, and when stimulus comes in, you notice it, versus thinking, I think, therefore, I am. Instead, you can separate those two two things, Um, and the more that you practice that, even in tiny little increments every day, making it a part of a, a routine, like a morning routine, the more it starts to apply in your daily life, and I've noticed that with myself, and releasing the expectations that it has to be like, oh, five minutes, that's nothing. Like things like that, or that you can't think about anything at all. Sometimes my brain does wander a little bit and I just bring it back. But I, I think that's one thing that that could everyone could benefit from.
2: I think the that's phenomenal. I agree. The BAM technique, I love how you how you put that out there, you know, the bare ass minimum because so many people try to make things like this so big. Mm-hmm. And we all know that if you take something big in all of a sudden, you're probably going to fail at it. So uh, that's really that's really awesome. How about you, Leland? Uh So personally, <clears throat> this might not be for everybody, but
1: I am a steam room addict. So uh, I steam at lifetime almost every day, but four or five times a week regularly. And I, I mean, I, I as much as I like meditation, it's meditation on steroids um, for me. And so, and there's some good science too. I know Rhonda Patrick talks about a study that. I think it's four times a week at 185 degrees, uh, lowers your mortality by 40% across all metrics. Like it's a crazy, crazy stat. Um, but steam room or sauna, um, hot tub would be the third choice, but like a heat therapy of some sort, but steam room is my favorite. Um, yes.
2: That's great. Yeah. A lot of people right now that I interview talk about, um, cold immersion, which mm-hmm. You know, it's a challenging thing and and it's like a reset every day. You have to like step into this very uncomfortable exposure. But what they don't share is that most of them also do heat exposure or sauna or steam room as well as part of that practice. Yeah, I've done I've done all the
1: Wim Hof program as well. I like that. But for me, the I would do it if I had an easier setup for it. Part of the reason why steaming is easy for me whatever your daily habit should be it should be like getting out of bed and putting your pants on and having your pants right next to the bed like eliminate as many obstacles as possible lifetime fitness makes it really easy for me to steam if i had something that made it that easy for me to do a cold plunge i would definitely incorporate that for the same reasons but you know getting ice getting it's just a whole process and so the obstacles prevent me from embracing
2: it i totally understood okay so You guys have alluded to it several times, you know, kind of a life by design. Um, I kind of want to share with, I'd love for one of you to share with the audience really what that looks like in daily practice. And I know this changes, there's ebb and flow in how your workflow is, Sarah Beth, based on kids and stage of life. But um, I think there's a, there's a a misthought out there that you have to always work, you have to always work hard, put in, you know, the grind message. And I think your story is very epic with the level of success you guys have had in Sarabeth Yoga. I think it's an epic example of the, the fallacy of the grind. And I know that at the beginning of a business, there is a lot of work that goes in. You just, you, there's no way around it. And a team is the best way to handle that. But um, how have you, used what you have and, and created a way that you can still enjoy those values that are so important to your family, your kids, um, your time together.
0: I think it's important to recognize in the beginning uh, when you're in that grind phase, whether what you're working on is essential or not. And it, And if it's not, can you get rid of it? Or can you outsource it? Can you delegate it? Uh, I think a lot of people in the beginning get stuck in that idea that they're digging, therefore it's productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was something that, that in the beginning we were working a hundred hours a week. I was working a hundred hours a week, um, all hours, just trying to figure out what was a good time. Cause, cause you get the beauty of working from home. You can work whenever you want. And then you start to realize that if you want people to communicate with you, you need to work during actual business hours and that's beneficial. And that if you're working on the weekend that you might be missing out on other weekend activities. And so it's funny how that, that shifted back into actually a traditional work schedule. Um, however, our work schedule is Monday through Thursday. So we can have a three day weekend with our kids. Um, my business goes through seasons uh, because I, I batch produce. So I film probably two or three times a year. Lately it's been two times a year. And that means that prior to filming I'm gearing up and I'm working a lot. And by work, it's like I'm, I'm researching and I'm sequencing and I'm practice teaching and I'm making voiceovers and I'm editing those voiceovers and I'm preparing my team to go to production. And then we film everything in one day. We typically film four to six months worth of content in one day that all of that work prior set us up for so that we can just turn the cameras on, play the voiceovers and record me doing the yoga. After that, then it's handed over to my editor and and there's much more like a sense of relaxation um i can explore more i can play more i'm, I'm more available and you, you um, know
1: jason is her editor scott just so you know so yep so jason jason gets the videos and he's at the shoots as well
0: yeah and then when he's when he's editing then he'll send batches back to me to review and that's the majority of the work i do then um And since I go in those kinds of seasons, i realize that there's going to be times of the year that I'm busier and I'm working more. There's going to be times in the year where I'm not as busy. I'm not working as much. And I can use that time to, um, nourish myself or to fill in my wheel of life. So to say it's another, um, Tony Robbins exercise where you, you look at all these different, uh, facets of your life, like spirituality, career, finances, family, fitness, like all of these different pieces. And you start to fill them in one through 10, um, from the center of this wheel. And you'll start to see, see this like kind of misshapen wheel. If you're really balanced, it's, it's a nice wheel, but sometimes people focus a little bit more on one side the other. And so mine was like pretty misshapen at one point. And that wheel, if you're going to actually use it like a wheel, it would go clunk, clunk, clunk. So I learned to use those kind of open spaces in my year to work on those sides of my wheel and to balance myself out. And to me, that is what lifestyle design is all about, is that I I not only am working in a way that feels fulfilling and there's hard work and there's deep work and and I'm producing something, but I'm also able to spend quality time with my children and have this kind of work-life balance and containment so my work isn't spilling into my my Saturday mornings with my children, or, you know, we're at the amusement park and I'm checking emails or something. Um, but then, even during the times of year when I'm not as much in that deep work, I can spend more time fulfilling myself in, uh, you know, the spiritual way or looking at like my fitness, and, or even my husband and I looking at uh, our next adventure. Um and just knowing that we have that possibility, or even the fact that we we spent our entire summer in Montana unplanned, um, which was a beautiful experience for our whole family, and we were able to work from there too.
2: Yeah, that's that's awesome. I I have a, a personal um drive to, to share that story with people of you have to that you can design how your life is, especially if you're an entrepreneur or a, or a business owner, you can actually, if you put things into place, you can actually get to that place where you can level that wheel out so it's nice and round. Um, and I love that analogy. I love that tool that Tony Robbins um, uses. It's it's really powerful. Um, so you guys, I want to I kind of uh, turn the focus into something that um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs think about but don't know how to act on. And that's really going to the next step. You have Sarah Beth yoga, it's very successful, you're still working on it. But you're, you're currently also doing other things to ensure, you know, like a financial legacy um, and, and stability through your life. So let's talk a little bit about that. I know, Leland, you're really, really passionate about this. I'm very passionate about it, much in a much more immature phase. But Um, let's, let's step into those, how those have kind of fit into your life and, and what that looks like for you guys.
1: Yeah. Well, so again, we're still early in our, in our grand scheme of, of our processes, but, um, there's a good, there's a good, uh, I guess, philosopher or, uh, modern day philosopher named Naval Ravikant. And he talks about, uh, he's got an awesome book about how to get rich. It's a, it's a replay of his tweets. It's an audio it's free on Spotify. Uh, one of the things he says is that if you want to be wealthy, then you want to, you want to stay in your lane, and you want to keep doubling down, you want to stay in your lane and keep doubling down. And so with that in mind, one of the things that we're working towards would be would be having places available where we could run yoga retreats or consulting or coaching retreats. And so not that we would do that, but, but we we very well could because Sarah has a big audience, but not only her audience, we're friends with other yoga people, we're friends with people who are coaches and consultants. And so it would be a dream to own these really nice properties where where people who are entrepreneurs and like-minded can go hang out for a week, mastermind, get good food, see beautiful views, ride a jet ski and and kind of have a, a vacation work, a work vacation um and so you know so part of what we're doing or what we would like to do is is not only build the network of people that would like to do that because we're friends with some people who run really good retreats all over the world we'd love for them to run retreats on our properties uh sometime in the future um but also looking at other opportunities so um i mean so not just yoga but we could do uh you know video marketing we could do we've even looked at doing some ketamine experiences or or anti-depression um anything that you could host at a a luxury property and so the first one that we have right now is in montana it's not a luxury property it's a lake house um but it's beautiful but the intent is to be able to have in-person experiences and provide value to people um yeah sarah do you want to add
0: yeah um so the way that I think of it is Sarapath Yoga expanded in such a way that that we were taken care of and then we were able to um, hire uh, team members and then our team was taken care of and then we were able to donate to the community and to causes that were meaningful to us. And so then um, we were taking care of our community and as that was expanding I wanted that the money that was coming in to feel like it had that purpose. And so and I wanted to make sure that we were using it properly, um, not just like, you know, buying the next big toy and upscaling our life like, you know, that people do like if your paychecks get bigger, it's like everything else seems to get bigger with it. And I was just like, you know, I know well enough to know that this, this could be a peak, this could be, it doesn't always go, in such a fashion like uphill the way it has been. And so we need to prepare ourselves and be smart about how we're spending our money and saving our money and investing our money. And so I, I like to think of it as Sarabeth yoga is uh, providing these little seeds and then I hand them over to Leland and he goes and plants them. And so he's he's planted these seeds in, um, in real estate uh, and we've we've already seen some trees become fruitful from real estate. Um, planted these seeds in Airbnb, planted these seeds in um, this uh, ranch experience that we're talking about with the retreat. And it's been fun in that way to, to look at like, okay, this one business is generating so much revenue, we can take some of that revenue and invest it. Not only are we saving you know, and investing uh, in the traditional ways, but we're also looking at other ways that we can too. And it's just an extension of our values of growth. Um, so it feels even better for us to be able to like okay we have this one amazing thing we're working on it we're doubling down on it and now what can we do with what's coming out of it
1: I think too uh, to go back to John Demartini our highest values are family Sarah and I have very very similar so everything that we do with real estate in the back of our mind is something like our family could go here and it'll be awesome right and like that's the number one thing and then And then the goal would be to not, you know, to not, to to make it also a profitable revenue source for people. But uh, thinking of going to these wonderful places with our family, with my side of the family, Sarah's side of the family, or or everybody together um, is really exciting to us. And so thinking about lifestyle design, like what is the next level, you know, that's kind of what we would really, we just think it would be so fun uh, to have everybody around and to have, you know, nice rooms and, uh and like to be like this this last year we got to celebrate the fourth of july with about 30 of our family members in montana um and it was really cool um but yeah so the 2.0 version of that would just be more jet skis
2: you know <laughs> yeah gonna have a conversation after this after this recording <laughs> that's it's incredible
0: it's funny to me too, because um, when we learned about highest values and we really honed it in, it was clear to us that we shared two out of three of our highest values, family and growth. But then that third highest value is where we sometimes butt heads because that third one for me is security. And that third one for Leland is is freedom and flexibility.
2: Yeah, those are different. They, they very, very different.
0: Yeah. But we've learned to work with each other. We've learned to make sure that both of us can feel that our values are being met um, without one person just like taking the reins, yeah
1: well, and that friction friction causes growth. like there, there's no you know we wouldn't be married if we were the same. You know what I mean? like it's it's that friction that causes everything,
2: well, I think that's a really important thing to remember. Uh, a lot of when I first started my business with my business partner, same with him, we both had people warning us and going into business with a partner. and I don't think that business partners are the problem. I think having someone similar to you as a business partner is a problem. You have to have someone who is complimentary, right? And it sounds like you guys have found those complimentary places. As well as the way you speak of your values is almost, I don't know if you've read love languages where Mm -hmm. our own love languages, this is almost like a values language. Like you need to know what their values are so that you can do things that make them feel good for what they're doing and the choices they're making and, and fuel what 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 stokes their fire.
1: Yeah. Well even, you know, if you're in sales or persuasion, right? The only way you can persuade is to speak to somebody's highest values. Like they don't care that you want their money as a salesman. You know what I mean? It's like that's your highest value. But if you say like, hey, if you if you get this van, your kids will be safe, right? You're speaking to their highest value because family, they want their kids to be safe. Um, yeah understanding people's highest values is like will unlock so much of the world for you especially in terms of um understanding persuasion and and being able to communicate effectively it's it's you can't do it unless you understand values absolutely
2: absolutely okay uh just to uh, be honorable of your time we'll wrap this up but i have a question i ask every guest and so each of you get to answer this i don't know if you're prepared for it or not but uh I really love the answer. So I always ask it. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, it'd be any time in your life, doesn't matter. uh, What would it be?
1: I don't do this one ever. Like, like, I just wouldn't change anything because it just, I don't. Yeah, you just can't.
2: I feel the same thing. And, and um, that's why it's such a silly question because you can't do it. But if there was a lesson you think that people could learn earlier, let me rephrase it. If there's a lesson you think people should learn earlier than they do, is there something that comes to mind?
1: So um, one of the things that Nassim Taleb talks about is that countries should have a high bankruptcy rate. And the reason that he says that is that you want to encourage people to take risks and the the businesses that change the world are the ones that are the people who take risks. So I would say, don't be afraid to go fail really, really hard. <laughs> um, and, and yeah. And actually Dan Kennedy along those lines has another quote that says, you know, excuse my language, but it's the number one factor with people who are successful is that they have big balls. Um, and he, you know, respectfully to women women can have big balls in this manner too but but being bold and not being uh worried about about failing or the the average millionaire has been bankrupt twice so it's like you know just really kind of putting things in perspective about about labels and like what things mean and you know none of that shit matters just swing for the fences right you need one home run you can fail five times you need one home run
2: you answered my question perfect (laughs) they're bad
0: Um, yeah the original question i would i wouldn't actually tell myself anything because i wouldn't want to affect i wouldn't want the butterfly effect or any i love where i am and what we have going on in our life but uh the second question um if i if i could know something sooner it would be that i'm the creator of my own reality um i i started learning that In my twenties, as a part of the entrepreneurial growth period was this experience of goal setting and focus, and you know, even playing with the law of attraction and just seeing what happens when you start to focus on something that you want, and how um you know your brain plays tricks on you where you if you like, say you want a Mini Cooper and all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, I see Mini Coopers everywhere, like those that kind of trick. Um part of of understanding though, that you create your own reality is taking responsibility for your own reality and taking responsibility for your, for your circumstances. And I think that if I had learned that even earlier, um, it, it would have been a gift, uh, to my younger self because I felt, um, like I didn't have much control over my life, um, or choice of my life until in my twenties, when, you know, we were just roughing it and, and seeing, what would, you know, if we throw spaghetti at walls, what's gonna stick? And um, it was almost like I did. I couldn't believe it when things started to play out the way that I imagined they would. And, and now it's just fun. Yeah.
1: yeah just, just to piggyback on that, we've thrown away a bunch of our old notes and we've seen these goals that we've written down four or five years ago. And, and it's, you've probably done it too. It's really kind of uh, amazing how much can be accomplished in, you know, one or five years. Uh, yes. So, but throwing away those old notes, I know Sarah's done a handful, done that a lot recently. Um, it's really cool to see.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, you guys, thank you so much for being guests on the show. I really appreciate hearing your story and I know that a lot of people learn a lot from it, which is the whole goal. Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah. Thank you.